Hi, I'm Shelley Wood, the Managing Editor for HeartWire, and I'm here today with Dr. Eric Topol, who of course is the Editor-in-Chief of TheHeart.org. Dr. Topol and I are going to be speaking today about the future of cardiology, and we have a couple ideas for uh, how we can walk you through the, uh, the next five or ten years. Dr. Topol, I'd, uh, I thought I'd start with a kind of imaginary patient coming into your office. I'm thinking perhaps of a 27-year-old man. He um, is a soccer player and he saw his physician in order to you know, get his insurance forms filled out and found out that uh, some of his readings were a little high. Take me five or ten years away from now. How will a, a doctor approach that patient? Well, it's going to be a lot different than it is today, Shelley. That's what's exciting. And we are going to be able to practice individualized medicine. And for a very uh, common condition, hypertension, whether the diagnosis is there, whether it's uh, going to be there at some point in the future, we'll be able to know pretty reliably whether that 27-year-old fellow, long before he's been hypertensive, is destined to get hypertensive by doing genomic screening. Okay. Uh, and so we can look at you know various markers, not just DNA, uh, gene variants. But what about the old blood pressure cuff? I mean, oh, is yeah. that going to be a part of the genomic um, sort of testing that we do, or will that be a thing of the past? Well, it won't be a cuff. Okay. It'll be a wireless sensor. You know, I, I thought I'd just show you one because I thought it'd be interesting. I know you You're haven't seen. You're not going to take my blood pressure. I'm not going to. I promise we'll I won't high. take your blood pressure. <laughs> but what I have is on my iPhone. I um, I'm taking in many patients right now. I'm taking their vital signs. Okay. And so. Um, what I was just going to show you was um, what it looks like, and that's today, what we can do today. Imagine right. what it'll be like in a few years. And so this is a patient, uh, actually is a patient in Texas, and this is in real time. There's constant blood this pressure. This is his blood pressure right now. Mm. Heart rhythm, oxygen saturation, temperature. Does he know you've got this? Uh, he knows that he's being monitored remotely. Okay. Yes. All yes. right. But, and uh, it's kind of, it, this is amazing where wireless sensing is going, but the point I'm, I'm getting at here is that this young fellow. My 27-year-old. Yeah, he'll have a wrist transceiver, mm -hmm. which will send blood pressure uh, continually uh, as long as it takes to make the diagnosis of whether okay. this one reading was out of line right. and just a fluke or whether actually he, there is an issue with blood pressure. And That's during the course of his life, if he is genomically and other biologic marker uh, uh, high risk to develop blood pressure, we may put him on that sensor, not, you know, a, a, for extended periods of time, but, uh, you know, maybe in a, a, every year or every few years, put him See back the on. changes. Yeah, because, you know, today we have no idea when someone's sleeping what their blood pressure is. We sure don't know when they get upset what yeah. their blood pressure is, because they're not apt to go get the, 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 uh, the cuff and at the middle of a time when they're agitated or upset about right. something. So it's very difficult to get patients to do manual blood pressures. So and this is a whole different look. It's just a, essentially a, a Band-Aid that gives out a signal to a, um, a gateway receiver, typically a phone, right. and it goes back to the patient but also goes to the medical uh, care provider. Okay, I'm thinking of a couple of questions here, but for one, where is all this data being stored? You've yeah. got this poor guy's uh, information on your iPhone, but uh, where would, what would be the receptacle somehow for all of this digital information? Well, okay, some of it could just be archived without actually being analyzed, mm -hmm. but you know, kind of how we analyze a Holter monitor record today. So okay. it could just be, there's algorithms and it could be done offline. And for certain things, we might want to actually analyze it in real time. And they're actually, what, what is amazing right now is there are hundreds of companies that are working on this so-called 
uh, back-end signal processing mm -hmm. to filter it to get to the, the juice, the important uh, um, information. And so whether it's a blood pressure or other parameter, uh, glucose, or right. that, that it only gets the, the important information and filters out all the extraneous stuff. Well, are there, is there any sort of technology along those lines for um, watching plaque progression or, or cholesterol levels? Is that all wrapped up in this type of thing as well? Uh, that one is a little further away, I think. Okay. That's probably where we get nanomedicine and mm -hmm. a little fancier because in order to get sensors that would, re that would uh, um, detect inflammation in the artery wall, right. we may have to actually you know, get something embedded. What I was talking right. about for, in the blood, for blood pressure or for heart rhythm is something that is truly non-invasive, disposable. The band-aid, yeah. okay. Yeah, so, but, you know, would we like to know about vulnerable patients? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I don't think there's a good strategy just yet to, okay. to do that, but we sure can work on their risk factors, like their uh, glucose for diabetes and their okay. blood pressure, those sorts of things, and that's going to be, I think, coming much more quickly. Well, I want to get back to the genetic stuff, so maybe I'll introduce my next patient. Mm. This is a seven-year-old woman. She has a history of breast cancer, but otherwise is very fit. She walks regularly, she eats well, and she's just turned up at her cardiologist's office just to make sure she's uh, as healthy uh, inside as she feels she is. Yeah. Is there any way we can introduce some, some of your uh, genetic concepts with her, or at this point are we really just treating somebody who probably has a lot of risk factors that we don't know about? Well, we certainly can use genetics uh, even today, uh, but we interestingly we can use it more for in the cancer area oh, okay. to know whether or not there's a chance for uh, recurrence of, mm -hmm. of breast cancer and whether it's aggressive and uh, more likely to be a problem. Mm -hmm. And also, we can predict the pharmacal response of which drugs, if there was a cancer in cancer drugs. Okay. Yeah, but also in imaging, there's also now handheld imaging device that was introduced that you could uh, uh, do a self-breast exam. And so wow. she, this woman could actually send that over the web. And just like we were talking about with respect to blood pressure, okay. it could get uh, interpreted uh, remotely and she could get a uh, email, text or whatever note that it looks okay. great. So that, and let's just, for putting aside that how far we are in imaging, which okay. you can now do an echocardiogram with Doppler with this handheld device that connects to something that looks just like a cell phone and send it uh, through the web. But you're not talking about patients doing those themselves. Yes, yes. You know, that's one of the things, Shelley. We that's don't give patients enough credit. And that's just like this, this woman you're just describing. She may have come in knowing all her, uh, all her gene variants. Mm -hmm. because oh, she's, she's very healthy. Yeah. She probably researched them and, on the net. She, she's not just coming and saying, I'm healthy. She's coming in saying, you can't give me this medicine or this medicine because right. I would have an adverse effect. And it's very likely, unless something happens soon, that patients are going to know more about genomics than physicians. Particularly cardiologists is a concern because right today, a lot of patients are getting genome scanned more and more over time. And they're learning about their genome. They're going to the web and going to sites like Snippedia and they're learning about everything that mm -hmm. is about their DNA. And especially more recently, on drug responses. Right, which is and, an area you're so interested in. And it turns out only one in 10 uh, physicians by extensive surveys of thousands of physicians, not just cardiologists, mm -hmm. are comfortable in this whole arena of uh, drug interactions uh, with gene variants. So is that to have uh, patients have more information than their physicians, whether or not that information is absolutely correct or not, it uh, perhaps makes the patient feel a little bit more in control of their own health, but is it a good thing for their health generally? 
What is yeah. the dynamic between the patient and the physician when you have that type of imbalance? Well, I think that imbalance is um, partly the paternalistic view of the medical world. Mm -hmm. We actually uh, don't give uh, patients, consumers enough credit that they can get up to speed pretty darn well uh, a vast majority of them, if they're what given. What about the hypochondriacs and the well, ones that are? Well, there's always that, but but you know, on the other hand, the tr everything in life is a trade-off, and in medicine yeah. as well. And so we ask for a few hypochondriacs who get uh, all uh, flustered by having more information. There's all the others that actually increase their comfort level, and what we don't like. You went, you you said, well, are we going to have patients doing their own ultrasound? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just you put an X somewhere, and they can put the transducer on. They can look at the image, and you can even have a uh, a, a, a cartoon, or it can be bed, embedded in what would be a good image. So they're not just doing transmit. it; they're going to interpret it themselves. Well, not maybe not interpret, but know that they have a good quality image. Okay. And and it wouldn't be such a far-fetched thing to think they could do a preliminary interpretation too. Wow. But. The whole trend in recent years has been giving more responsibility to individuals yeah. and not uh, necessarily accepting the, the medical uh, profession to be that guardian. Uh, sure. And that's going to continue over the years ahead, especially when they're empowered with information, whether it's genomics, whether it's being able to do this imaging, wireless sensors. It, it, things are changing quickly, and I don't think... Uh, in fact, I don't we, think physicians are aware. They're of not the aware. And you know what's really interesting is if you look, what has been the biggest change in the last decade in our lives? It's been digital devices, like right. uh, how Mobile we listen to devices, music, yeah. how we communicate, and, and smartphones, and even e-readers now. Yeah. This all happened from you know the last seven, eight years, and it's been transformational. Well, you start having those devices, like you know, I was sure, showing. in the hands of patients. It, yeah, they got a lot of information to work with, and it can, if it's used properly, hopefully it'll be a good thing. Patients will know more about themselves from a genomic, biologic level, mm -hmm. as well as a physiologic level. So how do you think then that, how are physicians going to need to change their attitude towards patients, given the amount of information that a patient is now going to come in to their doctor with, on their iPod, on their yeah. MP3 player? Um, it does seem to me that there's most of the doctors I speak to on a daily basis, and you know I speak to them, they <laughs> still have that paternalistic uh, approach to some extent. Yeah, I think we, we've really got to change. Do you need a change. CME program on how to um, <laughs> well, deal with smart patients? Or? <laughs> we, we should have learned, though, because, you know, the trends for uh, patients going to alternative uh, yes. treatments is profound. You know, yeah. the, that use supplements and use uh, other alternative therapies. Acupuncture, acupuncture. naturopathic medicine, yeah. yeah. They don't even want to tell traditional physicians about it because they know it might not go over too well. Mm -hmm. And then the era of the whole direct-to-consumer advertising that right. went. We have learned how powerful this force is to reckon with. The so circumventing of the family physician or the cardiologist. Okay. Consumer-driven healthcare is a big trend that we have to acknowledge and give people credit. And in the mm -hmm. era of individualized medicine that we're moving to, where we'll know so much more about each person to render prevention, if not better care, for each patient okay. individually. That's where we have to entrust people, and we have to have a new attitude, I think. And it is going to take some education, but reconditioning, it's going to happen more with the younger physicians yeah. in our community. But um, I you think, think it can happen. I think it can happen. I think when, when any individual, instead of just checking their email and going on the web with their phone, can also check all their vital signs, they're going to start right. to realize, you know, that this, when the stethoscope is officially declared dead 
200 years after it was invented in 2016. Okay, after yeah, this is the invented. prediction. Okay. That's the prediction. But when mm. it's dead, where you have ultra, where you have echo, why would you listen to the heart sounds if you can just echo so, okay. uh, someone? So, it, it, but what about all those traditional skills then? Are those all of the listening to the heart, the collecting the traditional <laughs> family history? No. Oh, more? the family history is really important. But no, you can no. just get it from a genetic test. You don't need to no, talk to the No. Well, you, for orphans, you could. That's true. Mm. They don't know their family history, and it's much more accurate to get it from. But no, you want to have both. You want to get the family history, you want to do a good job with that, that's really important. But why would you listen to, you know, the heart sounds and murmurs when you can see everything and you can do a yeah. Doppler, you know, with a handheld thing that goes to a smartphone. I mean, it's a different okay, era. You know, We've got a reset of medicine here coming. This is one thing I'm interested in though, is that you obviously are, are fascinated with this technology. Mm. Many physicians are, but with the, the passion for all these new devices and new bells and whistles, is there the possibility that that focus on the technology will detract from some of the other very basic things that these patients could be doing. I mean, if they are taking their own echocardiogram, but they're still eating poorly and not exercising and not doing all those prevention oh, right. things that we already right. know about, um, is there a worry that the focus on all of these amazing things we can do with genetics, with wireless technology, those will eclipse some of these other kind of tried and true methods that, to be honest, we, you, the cardiology community, nobody seems to be doing such well, a good job with it. that's yet. true. I mean, we have a diabetes epidemic, yeah. and it's raging, and it just not, it seems unstoppable, which is so worrisome. Right. And the question is, if we have more targeted information for individuals, and we get uh, this enacted earlier in their lives, yeah. will we do a better job? Will we, will by having- Will it be motivational? Is that partly what you're hoping? I, I think so. When you can measure, uh, you know, uh, glucose continuously, and measure calories coming in as well as going out yeah. continuously. And when you couple that with genes for diabetes and obesity and all these other things that would be a function of lifestyle, mm -hmm. hopefully in that given individual, we can have a, an impact that's positive. Right now, we're not making good headway. So yeah. we have to come up with new it's exciting strategies. It's got to happen on two fronts, it seems. I well, mean. you know, what's interesting is, of course, in the US, the talk is about healthcare reform, and it's mostly about uh, access and insurance and you know how to cover people all these 50 million people they don't have health insurance yeah. there's no real reform in innovative thinking about no. how do we get to the question I mean, these you're are all asking. new things I, I haven't heard about before and I'm jumping on them because they're <laughs> fascinating and the other yeah. stuff is a bit more boring to be honest yeah. we've heard about it for so long well so. We, we still need you know healing touch and and the communication and you know yeah. seeing patients it can't all be remote and can't all be that you know you get your DNA tests and in, in the web and you, there has to be you know communication So my little patients so are they still going to go in to see their doctors? Or are they just going to sit at home with email? They're going to sit. At, they're going to have texting and video uh, visits okay. because it's much cheaper and efficient, and they won't need to have a stethoscope because they could just say the doctor would say, "Okay, now just put the ultrasound here and just show yeah, me the it's image." A brave new in world. real time. <laughs> yeah, no, but there, but there will be office real office visits. Hopefully, there'll be a lot less hospitals. We won't have sleep labs because you can do a sleep test complete at oh, home with all yeah. these vital signs and EEG. You know, you can actually have an EEG in your home today. It connects to like an alarm clock. It's not even wow. considered a medical device. So mm -hmm. the world's changing fast and we should be getting ready for it. It's exciting and it's actually, uh, it's interesting. This is the most exciting time I've ever seen in medicine. Yeah. Uh, it's extraordinary and it's coming at two major fronts, the biology side and the physiology side. Right. Together, it's, it's so powerful. Right, with the technology. And uh, you add the imaging in there. I mean, it's just a, a threefer that is uh, unprecedented. Yeah. 
Well, I think uh, if there was anybody else um, less well-suited to be driving that forward, I can't think of that person. So uh, thanks for explaining some of it to me today, and um, thanks very much for spending some time with us. This is Dr. Eric Topol, and I'm Shelley Wood with theheart.org. Thanks.